Welcome back to the Oklahoma Drill. Uh, it's uh, myself, Ryan. We've got Alex and Nathan here, and we're just uh, we're gonna give you a little uh, OU football talk. I'm gonna maybe preview the bowl game to whatever extent that's possible, um, and talk a little bit about the goings on since our last um, since our last pod. The staff you know, the general state of things. How is everybody doing today? I'm pretty good. Looking forward to Bob Stoops. Yeah. Yeah, for real. For real. That's about all I'm looking forward to. At the game, I don't really give a shit, but Bob, that'll be fun. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, so Nathan, uh, you weren't with us last time we spoke. How are you feeling about the Brent Venables experience? Well, you know, Whenever everything broke, I mean, his was the, basically the first name I really thought of. I mean, there were others that I, you know, kind of had an idea. Of. I, I mean, Matt Rule was also rumored, and it was also one of the first names I thought about. But Venables is pretty much the name that I circled um, right off the bat. So, so whenever we found out that he was coming, you know, I mean, I, I was excited. I thought it was a, probably the best hire they could have made that was realistic. Um, and I think what I like about him is he's been on, I don't remember, I, I counted this up maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I think he's been on eight staffs that have played in a national title game. Um, so basically he's seen what it looks like. He knows the, you know, what it takes to be successful here. He's been on a staff at Clemson that he built um, where he helped build uh, that mm-hmm. defense. Wasn't really anything before he got there and he, he made it into what it is today. He's, um, developed over a decade extensive ties in the southeast, which OU will have to have going forward. Um, mm-hmm. You can already see it reflected in their current recruiting. They're um, focusing on Florida a lot. So I think there's a lot of positives. Um, I think some of my concerns were how forward thinking they'll be in recruiting. Um, they're, do- they're doing some things that I think are probably wise because um, they really want to value offers. They really want to, you know, make sure kids actually can play football before they offer them. Um, But he's also being, he's also reticent to take part in the elite camps. I'm not sure if he's going to be like draconian and how he values a a commitment. Like if he's going to be one of the, like I I know at Clemson Dabo was like, if you visit, another school while you're committed to us and you're not committed, like you have to decommit. I'm, I'm a little afraid if he, if I hear Brent start saying he's going to do stuff like that, I don't know. So I, I'm, I'm curious to see how that proceeds over the future, but I really like the hire. I think he's, you know, I think it's probably the best hire we could have made on paper. Um, and I'm looking forward to having a defense that uh, can actually do things. And I, I mentioned this to Alex the other day, I, looking forward to watching safeties that actually, you know, aren't just warm bodies on a field. It's been a decade plus since that's happened. So it'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is, I, so I've settled into like two thoughts that are almost in conflict uh, with regards to the brand Venables hire. One of which is that like, there's a degree to which this is just like a really feel good hire in terms of like, like, Oh, you went out and got a man. They think will respect them. You know, like, um, and you know, that feel, that feels like a negative because it feels like 
you know, we're just in our feelings about it. Simultaneously, I like, there's a part of my brain that is just absolutely convinced that this coaching staff is better now. Um, That like, we, we like the, in a way, this might end up being one of the best things that could have happened to this program. Well, yeah, Um, I think that's, and it's way, it's, well, it's way too early to think that, right? Because like, we still don't know if Brent is going to be a good head coach. We still don't know. I, I mean, there are so many question marks still. Um, I've re- like all three of us on this call are of the opinion that it that it would be really great if we had an entirely different set of coordinators on both sides of the ball in like two or three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not super comfortable with hiring Jeff Libby. Mm-hmm. Um, frankly, I don't like that they hired Jeff Levy and it yeah. has nothing to do with on-field performance. So I think he's proven that he's a good on-field coach. Um, the off-field stuff, I just, it just doesn't sit right with me, but it, I don't get to make that call. So purely on-field wise, I think that was a strong hire. Ted Roof, I'm going to have to trust Brent on that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I think I get what he's going for because he know he's worked with Brent already and he's got extensive ties in like recruiting Georgia. And I think that's part of it, but man, that is not the hire I would have made, but I'm going to have to trust Brent on that. Um, and I think, you know, more than anything else, it's Brent's defense and it's Ted roof just might be, you know, the guy that it gets funneled through. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't believe that Ted roof is going to be calling all the shots on this defense. I just don't believe that. So maybe three years from now, if Brent is successful, and the next defensive coordinator, they might start branching out. It's kind of like what George has done with Kirby Smart. And, uh, you know, he initially had uh, Mel Tucker, and Mel Tucker started having individual success, and now he's had Dan Lanning, and Dan Lanning's had his own spin on the defense. It's kind of – it's not just Kirby's defense anymore, though it's certainly still a heavy imprint. Um, I'll be curious to see how that kind of unfolds. I don't really see Ted Roof getting a head coaching job, but – He's old enough; he might retire. I don't know, but yeah, it'll be really interesting. Um, I'm the Ted Roof thing is kind of head scratching, but we'll, we'll see. I think the jury's still out on that. Yeah. So, I guess I guess what I'll say with you know, I think last last podcast I talked about you know having some mild concerns about how Brent would approach the portal, um, which I think is, is so far being proven, you know, it's kind of being disproven, you know, yeah. like there's, we've already taken yeah. two guys out of the portal and we seem to just be fairly active. Um, so that's, that's really nice to see. Um, there were some recruiting things that I was a little concerned about. Like he talked about the valuing the offer stuff, which it makes sense. I, I understand what he's going for, but he's also yeah. not being like ridiculous about it. You know, really I think that, yeah, like there's there's a, a, a certain extent to where because of Clemson's location and the success they've had recently, they can do a little bit. They can get away with it a little bit more, I would say, than what we could. So if we're if we're waiting way too long to offer a kid, that's going to screw us over every yeah, time. It, it makes sense to a point. <laughs> right. And it doesn't make sense anymore. So all of that has been really proven like I feel like I've been proven wrong so far you know and not not necessarily that I was expecting that to be the case but that was just where I had some concerns you know and I think that the easiest way to like convince yourself that this is gonna go well is to kind of look at the previous regime and it's not hard to build a case that the previous regime did a terrible job 
if we're just being completely honest, like, you know, yes, there is the winning percentage and all of that, but like, there is that argument that you can make that, well, player development sucked. Like there's really no way around that, you know, like we've talked about, we've talked about receiver talent for days. You know, we had that 2019 class that was supposed to, you know, it was like a top five class and it was supposed to be like the class that leads the charge for the next national championship punt, which Mm -hmm. should have been this year. And all of those guys underachieved. Most of them are gone. Um, Theo Weiss is the only one that's still here out of that big five-star group. And he hasn't played like a five-star yet, even Mm -hmm. when he's been healthy. So um, that to me is, you know, obviously, you know, for all we know, this, this regime could be worse, but you know, it's, to me, it's hard to kind of look at Brent Venables and look at the track record and think that he's, he's at least going to be able to develop defensive football players. And then it becomes, it becomes on him to hire a good offensive staff. And if you look at the offensive staff, I think it on paper, it looks nice. I mean, I fully expect, you know, defense wise to be legitimately good by year three. I mean, legitimately good, like top 15 in the country. Good. Um, And if you look at Clemson, that's what their track record was. I think it was, they were around 70 for a couple of years because they were bad whenever he got there. And then they just leapt forward. Um, And maybe, I don't remember exactly which year is year three, year four. They were number one in the country is 2015. So it might've been year four, but anyway, it was, you know, they, and then they just stayed there. So I would expect, I don't know if I expect this to be, Oh, you to make number one in the country. That's hard to ever expect, but I certainly think there'll be a stalwart defense, you know, for once he gets his guys and once he gets that culture in place for a few years, you know, moving forward, I think Alex nailed it. It's all about how he hires the, the offensive side. And if that, and if that hire can work in concert with his defense, um, I know Levy does things more with pace than say what Tony Elliott was doing at Clemson. So how does that impact defensive performance? Luckily he's in the big 12 and the big 12 is surprisingly not really an offensive league anymore. So, right. Um, I, we'll see. What do you guys think about, I, you know, I think that the whole pace of play for the offense, I think that that gets a little bit overblown to a large extent because, you know, I mean, ideally, the best thing for a defense is for the offense to score. You know? I think it has merit um, to an extent. I don't think it's the end-all, be-all, but I think if you're on field for 95 snaps versus 65 snaps, you're going to have issues or you're going to have worse you know, outcomes. So yeah, my, uh, my I, suspicion is – From um, a statistics standpoint. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think where it comes into play is like as snap count increases – like you get fatigue and both sides are experiencing that, but defensive mistakes are, are more significant than offensive ones. If you think about it, one's moving forward and the other movie is trying to defend that. So it, it just makes sense that it takes more effort to defend back basically than to proceed. That's why you have to sub defensive linemen every three snaps, but offensive linemen can stay out there because um, they're pushing and not chasing, but yeah. I mean, I don't think, again, I don't really care if OU is 20th in the country in defense, if we have a 
20, top 20, top 15 offense. I don't really care. Um, I, I mean, it's kind of like whenever we had the best offense in the country, but we were 110th in defense or, you know, something crazy bad. You know, well, think- it kind of becomes moot if one, if you're just so lopsided. I'd much rather be super um, balanced. And if you think of, look at those Clemson title teams, their offense was more like top 10, top, you know, maybe top 12, but they were good enough, elite enough, paired with the top, you know, 12, top 10 defense to be able to get over the hump. So that's really what I think you're aiming for is to be really good on both sides. Maybe not top one, but, you know, top 10, top 15. Yeah. I, um, I, I guess the other thing is I just like this conference doesn't really play with tempo anymore. Not really. It's a, it's about, it's the hurry up and wait style where it's about, you use hurry up to like ensure personnel um, advantages that you, that you desire. And maybe you rattle off like two or three plays quickly. Um, But the only like the, I, and I don't even know if this is necessarily true anymore. The only team I'm, I can think of in the big 12 that is still going really fast is Oklahoma state. I think TCU will, because they were at SMU. Yeah. That staff, I think they're going to start doing it more. Um, but I could be wrong because um, SMU is Garrett Riley, right? So I'm assuming he's running Lincoln's offense. So maybe they weren't doing that. I don't know. I just know it was Dykes and he certainly did when he was at Cal. So but I, I can't, I can't say I've actually watched SMU that much. So, <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. It, it, and we, we haven't even talked about Schmitty coming back. I mean, I think that was a really instrumental hire um, for Brent. I mean, and we've talked about this in the past. I don't actually know how much of an impact, you know, a strength and conditioning coach, like a really good one has compared to just a good one, what that difference is. Um, but it sure does seem like there is uh, some culture issues just being rumored out there from how Wiley was or was not uh, pushing people. Um, and ex-players, you know, they love to tell horror stories, but they also speak glowingly about Schmitty. Um, so I'm really interested to see how that, you know, if we see noticeable improvements as far as strength of line play, uh, I think it's been no secret. Our offensive line has been kind of underwhelmed the last few years. How much of that was strength and conditioning? I'm not sure. I'd really like to see what Anton Harrison looks like next year. Um, right. See well, some, of how some of those guys progress. I think there's something to be said for, large groups going through something that absolutely sucks together, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And I don't necessarily think that that was what was going on. You know, I think, yeah, that, I think there's some bonding you get out of that. So, yeah. I think that it's like Miracle. Wiley's. <laughs> yeah. They all hate I, the coach gives them someone as a group to hate and not hate each other. Right. Exactly. And so mm-hmm. Wiley's system was, I think a lot more, We'll call it player friendly. We'll just say, I I don't know exactly what was going on, but you know, you could, you could turn on to the Instagram stuff. Like you're not going to see any of that shit with Schmitty. Like those, those dudes are not going to want to be on Instagram going through a Schmitty workout. I didn't even, they're going to, they're going to look miserable. You didn't even get to see it. No, because I tried to follow this is now we're getting into a tangent, but his Instagram was uh, private after a while. So I, I followed him and he never approved it. <laughs> so oh, I never really? got to see it. Yeah. Oh. 
oh yeah. yeah. It was it was just like, <laughs> oh, these these guys are exercising, you know, yeah. like they're just going through and having some fun exercising, you know. Yeah, and I would like yeah, and so like the idea of no, like they're gonna be going through hell, I think, to be completely honest, you know, and you know, say what you want. Yeah, it might be an old school thing. I don't know. I've never been through it. I have no interest in ever going through anything like that. No, um, the people that but, say they want to go through a Schmitty workout are insane. They have no idea right. what they're talking about. But I, I don't do know what I'm talking about, but I know enough to die. I don't want to do it. So, <laughs> right. Every place he's been, his teams have been successful. I mean, that's just reality. Yeah. You know, they went to done. Yeah. I mean, they haven't yeah, been to- great, but they've been better than they've ever been in you know, the last other 20 years. So. Yeah, for sure. So that, that'll be really interesting. Like, and I, I think offensive line and defensive line is really where strength and conditioning matters as much as any more than anywhere else. And, yeah. you know, if you look at those dudes, even at A&M, like, yeah, they're big time recruits, but they're also like, they just, they look ridiculous. Like yeah. they're second like or third in that system. DeMarvin Leal. Yeah. They all look, they lift the part. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and like, you know, if you look at, those position groups since we've since Schmitty left it's like a lot of disappointment I think outside of wide receivers probably the position groups since then that have seemed the most underachieving yeah absolutely I mean like every year we've gone in thinking oh we've got this great offensive line coach who every year that he was there with Schmitty his offensive lines overachieved there was never underachievement with Bill Biedemo. Think about it. his first year was 2013. The talent on that line sucked, but he we put together a unit. Deontay Savage against Alabama. He started Bronson Irwin at right tackle. He'd never <laughs> yeah. played tackle before. And they yeah. held up, you know, like Derek Farniak. So. Derek Farniak started against Oklahoma State that year. All of those guys, he got a lot out of all of those guys. And 2014 was a legitimately good offensive line. We ran the ball great that year. You know, our quarterbacks sucked, so we couldn't throw the ball very well. 2015, we made the playoff with some Hila scrubs. Cossatati, Jonathan Alvarez, a true freshman, Drew Samia. Yeah, so. like legitimate guys that, like, would not see the field today at Oklahoma. And this and, is – yeah, sorry to go right back to Clemson, but they haven't even had that, like, great of offensive lines. They've won outside of their offensive line. So, yeah, I mean – Again, this kind of goes back to the can we pair team, you know, sides of the ball. That's I have a lot of confidence in Brent. You know, it's really going to be how that offensive side of the ball kind of shakes out. Um, yeah. And I think the having the strength coach in place, um, hopefully, again, I, I already mentioned it, but I really want to see Anton Harrison because I think that's a guy that, you know, I think a lot of people had really big expectations for this year and he just kind of was there. I think he had some good moments, but he didn't have to take the leap that I think people were kind of expecting, um, or at least maybe I was expecting. And when you hear guys like talk about Anton Harrison, Andrew Rame, guys going into their second year, you know, like it's, oh, they just got to be stronger. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've listened to Gabe Eichard say, yeah, Andrew Rame just, he's going to have to get in the weight room. Like, yeah. you know, this is pre Schmitty. Like it was just like, He's just not strong enough to do what they're asking him to do consistently, you know? But it seems like that's been the case for a couple years now. And then there's just been conditioning. Like, I don't know what the issue was with, like, Tyrese Robinson and Marquise Hayes, but it seemed like, you know, 
they didn't get stronger as they progressed. And I don't know if that was a conditioning thing or if that was just a them thing, but it's right. hard not to think that it might've been a bit of both, if not heavier in the, you know, if conditioning might've been a big part of it, I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, we, we've talked about it. I don't remember ever hearing a single player talk about, man, those Wiley workouts, they really pushed me. Um, I don't know if I ever heard anyone say that. So, right. well, like, yeah. you know, I brought this up on our last podcast, but a guy like, um, like Bray Walker, um, oh, yeah. they just, just never saw the field because his body was never right. Yeah. It looks like a million well, bucks, but he's, he's got some yeah. blocks for feet. So we'll see. Cement blocks, he's, he's got, <laughs> he's never gotten, you know, his athleticism hasn't changed. Ever since I don't think he has the mindset, but hopefully he proves me wrong. I love that. Well, but part of I mean, I mean, part of mindset is what your coaches are able to like pull out of you. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah, think about think about Daryl Simpson too. Like that guy. I try not to, but (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. But that guy came into OU and just this massive mountain of a human being, not dissimilar from a guy like Orlando Brown. And I'm not trying to say that he should be playing like Orlando Brown, but if you like Orlando Brown went about as good as you could go for that kind of projection as a player. And Daryl Simpson is like the exact opposite. And it's just, I'm not saying that with Schmitty, it would have gone totally differently, but either it would have gone better or he wouldn't be at Oklahoma anymore is what I'm going to say with Schmitty because it's kind of amazing. He still is at Oklahoma. Yeah. But you don't want guys like that just taking up a spot on your roster if they're just never no. going to do anything, you know. And I think that either Schmidty's going to pull something out of him that he didn't have before, or he's going to transfer, you know. And that's totally fine, you know. Either way, you know, we you just need to not have guys on your roster that do absolutely yes, nothing, you know, that just accomplish zero by being on your roster. Oh. And if you look and at I, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but OU has all of their, basically all of their young offensive linemen have strength questions. So it's going to be really interesting to see Nate Anderson needs to get bigger, needs to get stronger. Aaron Parks needs to get bigger, needs to get stronger. There's not very many, you know, like we we looked at Bryce Foster two years ago, guys that are just naturally already there strength-wise. They basically all have to be built up. So right. I'm, you know, I think out of the freshmen, I wouldn't be surprised if Jake Taylor could, comes in and immediately able to play, but Jacob Sexton needs to get stronger. So right. hopefully we see a strength and conditioning staff. I think Schmidt's bringing in a guy that I can't think of his name, but someone that was here in the past regime that followed him down to A&M. I think he's coming back too. So it's already guys that have some experience working together. So hopefully we see some strides taken as far as that's concerned. Really, I'm just here for the horror stories and probably the subtweets that come out of it. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I remember back in the day, like early on in my like college life, like Tony Jefferson tweeting about Schmitty and how much mm-hmm. he hated those workouts. You know, like Tony Jefferson, Aaron Colvin, all of those guys that were on the yeah. roster back then. And you just you don't see anything like that anymore. You know, my and- lasting. God, I keep interrupting you. Go ahead. Well, I'm just saying, like, I, I think that we miss that, you know, yeah. and the fact that it's become 
you know, and it might be a pattern for Wiley because that was, this is the same kind of stuff that people at Texas were talking about after he left. So, you know, I, I don't really know enough about the science of what they should be doing, but I do know that Jerry Schmidt's track record and his um, ability to apparently, you know, produce elite offensive linemen throughout his career, especially at Oklahoma, it's pretty much unparalleled. And, and, so that in itself is is exciting to have back in the program. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, the, the I, whenever I heard those Texas things, I kind of dismissed them because they, I think his last year was the year they almost won the Big Twelve. So I was like, ah, they're just saying stuff. But maybe there was some there's some truth to it. But yeah, I, I, I don't. Yeah, you, you hit it, you hit it on the head. I don't know much about strength and conditioning either, as far as the science, how to really dissect it. But you know, yeah, when well, I think I mean that the truth. Yes. Of it's hard sciences i don't think many people know anything um yeah. I, there's a lot of bluster uh in that world um and i think what that leaves you with is well what are the results yeah right. and schmitty can has you produced prove? results well yeah, i think absolutely. a lot of that is like coaching um there's a lot of guys that get a lot of hype or you know are super active on social media but the results don't really say much but I think you can kind of circle this back to why Venables is an exciting hire. He's been in like eight national championship games. Yeah. He's won half of them, roughly half of them. Um, the, here's the thing about Venables championship experience that really excites me um, is Brent Venables was, I think you look and you say probably Brent Venables and Trevor Lawrence are two of the key figures and basically the only ass kicking Alabama has received in a decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, probably so. I'll throw, I'll throw Justin Ross in there because he was one handing catch, catch one handed catching them to death. That was so. one of the most ridiculous. Yeah. Nothing was going Absolutely wrong. Insane. That night. It was crazy. Held yeah. them scoreless <laughs> in the second half and put up 44 on them. Um, that is, and it's, it's just, that just doesn't happen to Alabama. And no. that's, so there you go. I think that's the, that's the resume point. What kid, kid Nathan, or, or either, either of you, can you guys kind of talk about, cause I mean, I've kind of watched a lot of, no, nah, I'm not going to say I've watched film. I've watched highlights of just teams that Brent Venables coordinated and what sticks out to you from like, what he does defensively and you know in comparison to what we've seen at OU the last 10 years essentially with with Mike and Alex Grinch uh well the first thing is he's led the country the last decade in sacks and tackles for loss um the Clemson has I think he's very aggressive he blitzes from a lot of surprising places um he's not super predictable uh, but you're going to hear the word multiple a lot <laughs> which probably might give yeah. some PTSD to people. We hated but, it. Well, we hated it when Mike said it a lot, but yeah. also Mike's defense is fine with bad the word multiple and not good at defense. Good. Yeah. <laughs> multiple is fine if there's like a reason and logic behind it. If it's just like throwing stuff against the wall, then it's different. But um, yeah. I mean, I, I, that's the thing that sticks out to me about Brent's defense is, is they're just extremely aggressive. Um, and I remember what I would watch his defenses usually like playoff, you know, conference title games. Cause I didn't watch Clemson a ton during the regular season. Cause they were usually winning by a lot. I didn't care. Um, but I, I remember seeing, you know, corner blitzes or, you know, 
Mike linebackers running, running straight up the gut and thinking, man, I don't ever, we never see this for Oklahoma. Why don't ever, why does this never happen for our defense? Um, just you're seeing, you know, guys like uh, Ben Bulware, James Kowski, just run straight up the middle of the, of the line and get, you know, pressure or they're sending Trayvon Mullen on a corner blitz or, you know, whatever. So that's really the hallmark to me is they're just extremely disruptive, uh, lots of negative plays. Yeah. I think so. There's a video on YouTube called every OU football defensive touchdown since 1999. And it was posted in 2018. So obviously there've been some years since then. There's no Grinch tape on it, but the Brent Venables era ends. uh, It's a 24 minute video. The Brent Venables era ends 18 minutes into the video. So um, yeah. There was one, according to this video, and there, there are probably some things this video missed. There was one defensive touchdown in 2012. Wow. And that was, yeah, that was Mike's first year. You know, I, I went back in recently just to kind of, I don't even know why, but I went back and watched Tavon Austin's highlights from that 2012 West Virginia game. Man, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and we should have known, known that it was, wasn't going to work with Mike that night just straight up that night because his plan against that offense was the yeah. dumbest thing I've ever seen yeah. it's the well, second I mean, worst game I've ever watched OU play on defense I think the so, issue yeah. there though is that <laughs> when you get lit up by West Virginia the traditional response is you go hire Brent Venables yeah <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely <laughs> that god that just the fact I'm, I don't even want to get into it it was bad it was really bad we should have known immediately um, What's pretty funny I, you know, about, or go ahead, keep going. Well, I was just going to say, like, I, I think that, you know, Alex Grinch did a much better job at OU than Mike Stoops. There's oh, that's un, unquestionable. Like he had a plan and he was in the process of executing that on the recruiting trail. Um, I think his plan is stupid. Um, if I'm being completely <laughs> honest, like it's just, it's just simply a flawed plan. Like it's I don't it like his defensive line plan. But. Right. It just and it won't work at the highest levels of football. No, you can't I, have I truly believe that. tackles. No, you can't have that. And you can't just I don't think you can move and do as much weird shit up front and really Too much succeed at this level. But you know, with Brent, everything about his defense is is about confusing the offense, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, Alex Grinch is not about confusion. You know, it's just like we're going to do our stuff and we are going to do it as fast as we can. We don't really care what happens as long as we do it fast. And Brent, it's all about like this dude, like we're going to drop our defensive tackles into coverage just because it'll confuse them, you know. And like he does all kinds of funky stuff that just throws other teams off. You know, sometimes it gets lit up. Sure, you're going to get lit up sometimes. Great deep Georgia got lit up in the SEC title and they're one of the best defenses ever, you know, but with, you know, I think with when Brent had time, especially to prepare for people that dude delivered, you know, yeah. I'm thinking like, think about the 2008 national title game, you know, Florida's offense was great. Our defense wasn't thought of that highly that year, but we came in and we really performed in that game. Yeah. So as you said, yeah. Yeah. I'm looking for, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what to expect next year. If we're like top 40, I'll be pretty, pretty happy. Honestly, I don't have super high expectations. Um, 
but I'll be really curious to see how much of it, you know, looks like what Clemson was doing versus, you know, I don't expect to see like a big Ted roof stamp on it. So I think it'll be basically Brent's defense. Um, yeah. Can I, can I, I want to say real quick on Ted roof. I wish we had hired somebody else. It's just not, it's not inspiring at all, but one of the things that stuck out to me with how Brent described that hire was, yes, he mentioned the recruiting ties, which, you know, we're already recruiting a linebacker that we have a special in with because Ted Roof recruited this kid's dad. So that's great. You know, I think that might be some kind of regular thing, which would be absolutely hilarious to me if we're consistently getting guys because Ted Roof knew their dad really well. Like that would be that. great to me. I love that. Um, <laughs> Is well, but, we got to, you know, we talk about these guys who recruit well, and it's what we're forgetting uh, in this is that it's not all about Instagram. Sometimes it's about whose dads, you know, exactly. And this guy is and, plugged into the dads of South, Southeastern America. Yep. Uh, Ted Roof Mo's so many Georgia dads, you know. Yep. It's, and that, it'll be amazing. If we get this kid that I'm thinking of, Sammy Brown, this linebacker. I'm, I'm full credit going to Ted Roof for, for recruiting his dad. Um, but the, the other thing that Brent Venables mentioned, like right off the top, is that he's one of the best teachers he's ever seen, you know? And that to me is what we need on this defense is we need a guy who knows how to teach a defense. He doesn't have to be a genius. Brent's the genius. Yeah. But if he's well, the he's guy already spent a year teaching it. Yeah, if he's the guy that can communicate it and teach it to the players at a high level, that's what we need. You know, that's what Brent Venables needs. We don't need, you know, it. Yeah, would it have been great if for you know Dan Lanning didn't get the Oregon job and then he decided he didn't want to coach with Kirby anymore and he came? Sure, that would have been awesome. But then it probably would have been Dan Lanning's defense and not Brent's defense. So what do you do? Right. Exactly. So like it, I. I'm cautiously optimistic about what we're going to see from Ted Roof. Um, yeah. I'm already kind of annoyed by the meme of the whole thing where everybody's just talking it. <laughs> anytime anything good happens, everybody's like, Ted Roof did it. You know, that's <laughs> to me. But, you know, I'm very excited about the prospect of him knowing all the dads and getting recruits yeah. that way and his, his ability to teach the defense, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, the Ted Roof thing, like, if Texas had hired Ted Roof, I'd be making fun of it. So I'm just. It's a silly thing to do. To be seen. It's, a, it's okay. Yeah, it we remains to be seen. But um, I can see logic behind it. But, you know, I'm just hopeful. I, <laughs> um, I trust Brent about defense more than I trust, you know, Joe Schmo on Twitter. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Well, I, I trust Brent on defense more than I trust Sark to make offensive players, if I'm being honest. You know what I mean? Like, so. Well, yeah. Sark, did, Sark inherited, you know, the most talented roster in the country. And just didn't have to screw it up. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So. Um, Brent, see, that's okay. Let's get real, really quickly. Let's delve into that. Sark was lauded as a genius, which we can, we can rightfully say he had an amazing season at Alabama, but he also had like 11 NFL, you know, yeah. players on his, on his team. Brent took over a team that got shredded by West Virginia in the in a bowl game, which uh, the previous coordinator at Clemson was Kevin Steele, which is kind of funny because he ended up being a very good coordinator at Auburn. Um, 
But anyway, and then he had a whole thing with Tennessee, and <laughs> which was kind of funny. But uh, Brent took over a roster that was way, way lower on talent and built it and sustained it at an incredibly high level. I would feel much more comfortable with the guy that had to take over a, a lower talent level and built it and maintained it and taking over than the guy that inherited, you know, the best roster in the country and just didn't have to crash the Corvette, you know? So I think we can say, I mean, to me, if you're, if you're rolling the dice on a coordinator, give me option B because I, at least that guy's done something that um, takes, you know, more than just calling the play to the wide open Devonte Smith. Sure. Well, and I want to, I think one thing that's being just like kind of overlooked a little bit is Brent's tenure at Oklahoma, you know, because it was a while ago and it wasn't that highly thought of at the end. Um, but if you go back and look at the S and P plus numbers, we were the seventh ranked defense in the country in 2011. And that was yeah. Brent's last year. That was the year everybody wanted to kill him. And they just thought he was terrible. We were the freaking number seven defense in the country. Mm-hmm. And if you look at his staff that he was working with, he had Jackie Ship recruiting his defensive tackles, who had literally stopped doing his job like the last two yeah. or three years that he was at OU. Like Jerry he just Higgins. was he was done. Didn't yeah. recruit defensive tackles. He had Willie Martinez coaching his DBs. He had Bobby Jack Wright. You know, no offense, Bobby Jack Wright did a lot of great things, but he was over the hill, you know, yeah, he and was he was almost retired. Right. He was still putting together a defense that was top 10 in the country in S&P plus. Like I honestly, I'm so sick of hearing total defense numbers. I don't care about them, you know, especially if you're going to cite numbers from that era in the big 12. Yeah. We were playing those teams like yeah. get out of here. Um, like that dude's tenure at Oklahoma was very, very successful defensively. Well, like, like there is inargue- that's inarguable. Like you mentioned with that 08 defense wasn't that highly thought of. Well, they were playing Todd Reesing and Chase Daniel and Colt McCoy and you know all, all the Graham Harrell, Oklahoma all these States. other yeah. uh, Zach Robinson. So I mean, every single team had, you know, a great offense. Yeah. No other conference he, had that. So no, even Kansas state had Josh Freeman, you know, and he had, he was pretty good yeah. there, you know, like he was a first round pick, which yeah. doesn't say much because he was tall, but you know, he wasn't right, bad. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's just, we were just slow to understand what was going on with defense. And like, I mean, Brent threw some gems out there, uh, you know, every single year, not just like, Oh, 2009, they were really great. Like 2011, you go back and look at some of those games. I mean, he was holding teams to less than 20 points pretty much every game, except for the elite of the elite teams. And I think something that, you know, we kind of touched on this earlier, he's been at the pinnacle. It's not like he went away and just kind of toiled and, you know, he was at, oh, I don't know, Tennessee, and he was you know doing pretty good, but he he wasn't doing great the last 10 years. He's been consistently putting out like top five defenses and winning national titles. Like he knows what it looks like on that side of the ball. So he doesn't really like have to recalibrate his brain to, yeah. okay, what did I was here? Now, what does it look like at the, that's what I'm trying to get to. No, he already knows what that looks like. He just has to go get those guys here. So um, I, I don't know. It, 
it's a roll of the dice. It's always going to be a roll of the dice. There's no certainties in coaching hires. Um, and anyone that says there is, it's ridiculous. Um, but I think given the information and the timetable we had, I don't know how much better they could have done. And I don't know who that would have been. That would have been better, you know, frankly. Um, even Matt Rule. I liked Matt Rule and I liked the option, but I can't say definitively that it would have been a better hire. So we'll see. Yeah, I don't think Matt Rule would have been a better hire. I think this was better. Um, <laughs> Just straight up. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think there are a lot of, I mean, I think that after the Kansas State job opened and Brent didn't take it, I think people just assumed he would never do it. And I think that took him off the table for a lot of people well, in terms of their opinion. I mean, he told people he didn't want to take one. So. Right. But I think that was always a caveat probably for a few jobs that he right. would um, do. But the, rea- like the reality is I don't – like name a better coordinator in football than him at Clemson. There isn't one. Not in college. Like, He's the best one. Yeah. Not for that longevity. Like, I mean, he's been doing it for over 20 years. It's it's pretty insane. I mean, like, that's one of the things that when when OU had Lincoln as the head coach, you know, after his second year, I think, at OU, I said, and, you know, this was a a major homer take, but I I was thinking, like, as long as Lincoln's here, we're always going to have, like, a top three offense. I don't even have to worry about it, you know? And – I, felt I said, confident. if we have a good offense with Jalen Hurts, we'll never have a bad offense. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so. And the reality is that was that was proven to be incorrect. You know, that that Lincoln got figured out and he didn't really have a, a second punch to go to. Like that's I don't think that's going to happen with Brent just because there is 20 years of track record that he's going to get some shit figured out. You know, and so I think you can pretty comfortably say that we're never going to have a bad defense with him as the head coach, you know, especially once he gets into it a couple of years. You know, maybe this first year we struggle a little bit, but past year two or three, I don't expect us to ever have a defense that's like outside the top 20 of S&P plus, if I'm being honest, you know, and that gives you a pretty large margin of error. To, on offense, you know, and if you're bringing in talent consistently offensively, all you got to do is you got to nail one higher, you know, you got to nail that OC higher and you're golden. You're going to be a contender because if you've got a top 20 defense, you need a top 20 offense and you, you've it's got the Clemson model. I mean, great right. defense and a quarterback. You gotta, yeah, that's what absolutely. You gotta have, so. absolutely. And so I, I think that in that sense, that's not something that Matt rule would have afforded. You know, there would there wasn't anything that you could just assume, oh, well, we have Matt Rule, so that's going to be fine. Not like it is with Brent Venables, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's really exciting to me. And just as far as what from what we've seen so far in his tenure, I mean, he hasn't coached the game. He hasn't really done hardly anything. He's recruited, you know, and he's had some press conferences and stuff. But I think that the biggest concern I had with losing Lincoln was that we would take a step back in recruiting. And I think from like, I, I, from what I'm seeing so far is that I, I think things will look differently in terms of the types of positions that we land our highest rated guys. But I think we're going to wind up in the same type place as we were with Lincoln from a talent standpoint. Well, and the thing with 
what Lincoln was doing is we were landing those highly rated guys, but they weren't doing anything. So who cares? You know, if we win a five-star wide receiver, but he gets 500 yards in a career, who gives a shit? So. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, I have a higher faith, you know, I mean, if Brent lands, you know, five-star defensive end and he's excellent, then, but he's only lands that, you know, not as often as Brent or uh, Lincoln was landing, you know, the, highly rated skill guys. See, that's, I mean, that's the thing with Lincoln. He was landing highly rated guys, but they're all skilled players. Um, I'm not, I mean, I would much rather land highly rated corners and highly rated, you know, pass rushers and so on and so forth. Um, Yeah. Defensive tackles. That's the position. Yeah. You know, of course. Yeah. So, so I I mean, I think we'll have a better likelihood of doing that with Brent than we ever would have with Lincoln. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. You know, I, you know, I think there's the development. It can't be much worse than what we were doing. If we're just, yeah. I wonder if he can convince DeAndre more to be a safety. That'd be cool. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, we'll see how it goes. Like as far as the current roster goes, we'll, we'll say, we'll talk about defense first, but how do you feel like the guys we have right now fit what Brent's going to want to do? I'm a little worried about defensive line just because they're small. Um, yeah. I think, I think the defensive backs, frankly, are pretty good. Are going to be pretty good um, almost immediately. I'm mainly concerned about the line of scrimmage, um, but I, I think you know part of that was by design, is we were intentionally keeping them lighter and faster, and I think that will slightly change, and they're going to get bulked up some. Um, so, like a guy like Jalen Redmond. I would imagine he'll play outside in a lot. Um, he might be like a strong side defensive end, sometimes a three tech. Uh, but we need to find guys that can play like a – I don't know who's going to play the nose – or is not the one, excuse me, the nose, the one. So, I mean, I imagine that will be like Corey Roberson and guys like that. But that will be really interesting. Um, I think that's where it's going to take time for the most part. to. They're going to need a couple classes to kind of fortify that. Yeah, I think we have the guys on the edge to be successful. I think Reggie Grimes fits perfectly. Ethan Downs, I think, will be fine. Yeah, even a guy like Clayton Smith, I think you put a little 10, 15 pounds on him, I think he's fine. Um, Yeah, because Britt wasn't always four down all the time. Like, he had a guy like Dick Risley that could stand up. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, same with you. I'm worried about interior defensive line, which, you know. I was worried about it even – before Brent, I mean, my, oh, my sure. Brent was still here, so yeah, like I was worried about it when we were doing it on purpose. Yeah, right. I, I mean, I we talked about it probably three years ago. I was like, I don't know about this. You know, let's be two hundred eighty pounds and just be fast. Idea, <laughs> but right. we'll see. And I think maybe the the end of his tenure at OU the last time might be a good kind of insight into how it's going to look early because we didn't have just straight up dudes at defensive tackle by the end of his tenure. I mean, we're talking about Casey Walker, Jamarcus McFarlane. Those guys were fine. They were okay players, but they weren't game changers, you know? So that might be what we're looking at for a year or two until we can pull in some some guys. It has to be kind of what's expected. Um, Yeah. And I don't know if, how quickly they'll be able to turn that around. Like if you look at the 2016 Clemson team that won a national title, 
that entire defensive line was like sophomores. So yeah. granted, they were, you know, a couple of five stars in there, but not all of them were. Um, and largely, you know, Austin Bryant, uh, Dexter Lawrence was a five star, but, you know, they had several guys Christian in Wilson. there that, Christian yeah, Wilson, five, yeah. So the two, the two tackles were five stars. They also had a Carlos Watkins was a senior, but yeah. their, their edge guys were not five stars and they were just four, you know, they're four star guys. But um, the point is, you know, they were young. They weren't, okay, we finally have these guys, they're talented and they're seniors now. We're ready. Yeah, yeah. He was able to kind of replenish it fairly quickly or not replenish, but uh, get a group that was ready, you know, young. So I wouldn't say we're going to be trotting out a couple of five-star defensive tackles in two years, but I, mean, I wouldn't be against it. But um, I certainly think, you know. Would you take like, the five stars? Would you take them? I mean, well, how if, are their hearts? If, yeah. If Dindy wants to, you know, realize that he's a defensive tackle, that'd be cool. But. Yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty nice. <laughs> like, buddy, you're not a defensive end. I'm sorry, you're six three, two hundred ninety pounds. But... Yeah, for real. <laughs> how do we how do we feel about offensively fitting the the Jeff Levy system? And we'll we'll talk about Caleb Williams here in a minute. But just let's say outside of Caleb Williams, how do we feel about the personnel? Just generally speaking, over there. I, I think it's fine. I think offensively our personnel has been really good. So, yeah, I think I'm not that if, concerned about it. I mean, I think the line needs to make the improvements we'd like to see it make. Yeah. With Schmitty's involvement. That's um, the biggest thing. Yeah. Now, if they do that, then, you know, it's, it could be like top five next year or top I'd like one. to see a running back that was truly, you know, a, a dude and not just a running back, you know, I mean, Kennedy's good. I don't want to take anything away from Kennedy, but he's not like a take over the game kind of guy. Well, unless he's playing Texas, but um, <laughs> you know, I would like, you know, I, I know Alex has been high on Marcus major that body type. I mean, suits what Levy wants to do. He wants to run the rock a lot. So if he has a physical guy that can you know, take the or handle that, that would be really good. Um, I think Eric Grave. Could be, hopefully they'll actually use him out of the backfield some next year. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I really wish freshman. I really wish we would just take Zach Evans in the portal. You know, yeah, I don't know like, what's up with that. Handy. He's just he's good. That's that's who we need. Yeah, you know? it doesn't seem like we're does actually fit, interested, but does like he fit our culture. That's the question. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. he's going to be here a year. Just let him carry the rock two hundred and fifty times next year. <laughs> Just be Janet or be Sean. Yeah, and just <laughs> just win a bunch of football games with Zach. With Zach, I do like uh, um, Levy just immediately grabbing Jaden Gibson because I think that kid's pretty damn good. But I can't. I mean, I can't believe what we did. You know, just like I mean, we took advantage of a coaching change. You know, it's it's what A and M and Texas did. But I mean, we lucked into that. We got a quarterback that theoretically fits Levy's system really well. Um, even though he probably won't be playing under Levy by the time he's the starter, if he's ever the starter. Um, and then, yeah, Jaden Gibson, like top 50 player in the country, just sitting there waiting for a team to jump in late. Like what kind of luck is that? Jesus, that's awesome. Yeah, I think, but and he's tall. When's the last, we haven't had a tall receiver that was worth a damn since Malcolm Kelly 15 right. years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Literally 15 years Jeff ago. Feed, I, I still love you. Jesus. Oh, Jeff <laughs> yeah. Feed. 
<laughs> yeah. All right. But, so, so what do we what do we think about Caleb? I think he stays. I think it feels like Percent- he's staying. You have a percentage. Anybody want to throw a percentage on that? I would say eighty percent. Eighty percent. I would probably also say eighty percent. Okay. I think. Yeah. I just think if he was going to move, he would have already done it. Yeah. Okay. I'm. I'm leaning the other way. I think it's forty-five percent that he stays. Fifty-five percent. Wow. Leaves. Wow. Damn. Yeah. I just don't I, know why he would play a bowl game for a team that. I just. I just think that's who he is. You know, like everything about that kid just seems like he is like the leader type and leaders. They, he would want to finish what he started this year. You know what I mean? If he transfers, do you think he's going to USC? I don't think he's going to go to USC. So where Um, do you think he goes? Ohio state has a quarterback. Georgia has a quarterback. Well, does Georgia have a quarterback? Yeah, that's a good point. So maybe Georgia, but does he want to play in that offense? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, What about, what about Notre Dame? What about, a school like Michigan. Like, I think there are options for him to play at schools. And the reason why I'm leaning towards him leaving is because I don't like, I I think that his number one priority over everything else is it's not being the number one pick in the NFL draft. Like, obviously he wants to do that, but I think he feels like he can do that anywhere. I think he wants to be like, not the typical rookie quarterback when he gets to the NFL. I think he wants to be as absolutely prepared as he can be for the NFL when he gets there. And I don't think that's Levy's offense. I don't see that as a fit for that idea. Nathan giving the, the, the I, I just don't, look. I mean, what has Notre Dame or Michigan proven from a quarterback perspective in the last 10 years? Ian book uh, starting an NFL game right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going well. <laughs> I, I think that's totally true but like what has Michigan had from a talent standpoint at quarterback like hey don't you do not besmirch the Tate name of Tate for CA (laughs) I I will I will do that you know like and Tommy like isn't Tommy Reese like one of the highest respect most highly respected OCs in the country right now like and they run more of a pro style thing like I, I I know I'm not like these are not like obvious slam dunk things, but I just I could see him looking at those situations. I respect Tommy Reese, but that's true. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just just saying. So, like, I mean, I, okay. I, here's the I, schools he visited: right, Stanford, Penn State, Ohio State, LSU, Georgia, Clemson, Oklahoma. I mean, Clemson's staff is different, or the offensive coordinator is different. LSU is different. I already forgot the other ones, but I, Ohio State's taken, you know, Georgia makes some sense. I could see him going to Georgia. Um, yeah. That'd be really I, funny if he ended up battling Brock Vandegrift for a starting role. But that would be. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I don't know. I, I just don't think he's going to do it. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I would, it'd certainly suck because we might really be asked next year if he's not here. But now, Casey Thompson will come in and save us. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I did think Casey Thompson was better than, you know, people. He just got his ass kicked so much last year. Good grief. But Yeah, no, it, it'll be really good because I, you know, me being at the University of Texas right now going to school, I talked a lot of shit about Casey Thompson and to all of the, my friends. <laughs> you have to a 180. <laughs> yeah. I will 
fully turned to, well, what's he supposed to do behind that offensive line? Their offensive line was just brutal this past year. So yeah. what's he supposed to do behind that offensive line? I'm, I'm starting right now. I'm already starting. <laughs> yeah. you know? They did have two good players on that team. And then they both, one of them got hurt. So yeah. And he did a great job of worthy. getting the football to the other one. to Xavier Worthy. He did a great <laughs> yeah, that's job. True. <laughs> you know? That's so true. So I think it's going to be a great fit. For, for us with, with Casey Thompson. He's going to beat the shit out of Texas next year. Um, I, uh, what a, that would thing, be an amazing story, by the way. Like uh, the kid that was from UCF who's transferring to UCLA. Yeah. Do we not think he would have held off a little bit more if he didn't think there was no shot at OU? I don't know. I mean, I it's entirely – like the fact, like, it seems like this is – pretty late in the game, you know, and you've got quarterbacks that are starting to pick spots. That's why I'm saying I I think if he was going to do it, he would have done it. Um, Or at least people would know, you know, a lot more than has been rumored. Right. But people would be like, oh, he's going to play the game, but he's out of here once the game's over. Yeah. That kind of thing. This is actually, it's this, like, if he, if he leaves in ways is almost more Kevin Durant than Lincoln leaving in terms of like, where it leaves us in terms of dominoes having already fallen oh God. in other places. The, the Twitter hellscape that will come if he does leave. Yeah, which, I mean, our listeners are probably not part of that hellscape, but please don't tweet at him if he does. Don't tweet, don't tweet at him. I'm, I'm not going to be mad at him at all if he leaves. Like, I, I think that he's a really good kid. I think that it will be a, an extremely calculated decision. Um, it'll suck a lot, yeah. It will suck if he leaves, um, but we'll be okay. I mean, it'll it'll suck next year, but we'll figure something out. But that's just where I, I lean right now. And and I'm not the kind, you know, usually I'm not the, oh, I'm going to be pessimistic, so I'm not disappointed. That's, that's not generally how I am. Yeah, that's so. usually Nathan. <laughs> I'm usually the one that's like, oh, yeah, this great thing is going to happen for us, definitely. It's definitely going to happen, you know. So I, I don't know. I just feel – I just feel, I feel like, like there'd be more smoke. To play the like bowl game. He's talking Maybe. with so and so kind of thing. If if there, yeah. if it was happening, maybe he's just really good at keeping it locked down. Huh? I think if he's going to do it, I mean, if he if he stays, he's nil for him in the state of Oklahoma is going to be nuts. But it's probably the same anywhere. But really yeah. here, but so. yeah, I I guess my thing is I think the kind of guy who feels this like sense of duty to be a leader and see things through is also the kind of guy who recognizes like i will be god here yeah yeah for sure maybe so maybe so maybe that's important i luckily i don't think it is but we should know in like two weeks so so we don't have to wait that long i mean but yeah two weeks that's gonna feel like forever (laughs) you know like honestly like that that's going to feel like forever if we have to wait yeah. two weeks. Well, that's probably, it probably won't even be that long, but you know, certainly by two weeks. So I'm hoping like a week tops. That's probably more realistic. I was being cautious. So. Yeah. I would. Yeah. I, I'm going to be a wreck if it, if it takes two weeks to, to get that. It'll speaking be fine. Things, we'll beat Oregon by taking... 40 and they'll interview him at the end of the game and he'll say he's staying and it'll be fine. There we go. There we go. That'll be great. Speaking of things that are taking way too damn long to uh, to get announced and happen, what the hell is – how is this defensive staff going to 
get filled out. Like, <laughs> why has that not happened? I, I don't know. You know. Playoff teams, man. Specifically defensive tackle. Like, do you think the DT coach is in the playoff too? I have no clue. Um, I I kind of wouldn't be surprised if he's still kind of trying to figure it out, which at that point I'd be, I'd wonder, you know, why, why would he do, do you know, it was, it smart to just immediately dismiss Tibbs or Kane if, if you didn't know who you're going to try and take um, or if you didn't have like a list, but yeah. I don't know. It, it's kind of weird that how quiet that is. It sounds like, you know, Jay Bali, I don't know how to say his name from Bama is going to be the quarterback's coach, which I think is a pretty solid hire. Um, yeah. But as far as defensive tackles, it's just it's been crickets outside of the possibility of bringing the Clemson guy with with him, which Todd Bates, which I don't think is going to happen. So. Right. I just I keep expecting to see something about that break, you know, yeah. and it just it just hasn't happened, which it makes me think that maybe it is a playoff coach, you know, and I don't know who the hell it would be, but it makes me think that it's possible. And I I. I assume that if it is, it's going to be a great hire. Yeah. You know, because all of those guys are pretty damn good. Sure. I don't even, yeah, I couldn't even name like Cincinnati's defensive line coach. Um, oh, I have right. no idea. But we're hiring Luke Fickle for tackles. Luke um, Fickle for that would work. Yeah. It's, yeah. um, yeah, we'll see. It's, it's weird. I'm tired of the, uh, of the pressure. <laughs> Um, do we have so, any idea what the hell this bowl game is going to be? Is it Shit going show. to be? First off, not a yeah. guarantee. <laughs> yeah. Um, like we, we've, ta- we've talked about this before we started the pod, but like Oregon's down 30 players, not for COVID reasons, which is um, insane. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but the thing about that is that if then they're down, it, like at that point, if you lose like 10 guys to COVID the day of, it's like, oh probably can't play football right which i mean i don't know how the testing thing works they might even be beyond they might not be testing guys i, I don't know at this point but it'll be right. it'll be interesting to see yeah. like i i just have to assume the game is going to happen and yeah. like, <laughs> it, it'll be interesting to see like i i wish that it wasn't going to be this way because if ou came out and played really well then we could look at it and be like shit lincoln sucked this year you know and like all it took was a coach that actually gave a shit for us to actually you know go in and take care of business but now if we take care of business it's just going to be like yeah cool it was bob but the reason why it happened is because they were down 30 guys yeah well i mean all the best players on both teams are out the whole staffs are basically gutted it's basically a novelty game of seeing bob well the thing it's going to be is catharsis um, which is not a rational emotion, right? Yeah. This is going to be about an emotional healing experience for the Oklahoma football program. And I'm fine with that. I hope it is. I mean, that, yeah. that is, well, the, the alternative is well. frankly too terrible to behold. And <laughs> yeah, the alternative is we go in and lose and See, that I don't even, suck. I, but would it, I mean, yes, losing is not ideal, but you can't take anything away from this game. Oh, no, I agree. Side. So if we lose, I honestly will just be like, nah, let's start the Brent era. For because sure. there's there's nothing about it unless like 
Caleb got hurt, like unless somebody like important got hurt, that is important that carries over to next year. Um, outside of like a feel good thing, so I don't know. I I just feel like it's OU. Like we kind of need a win, you know. It kind of feels like yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously it'll be easy to move on from it because of the, yeah. the circumstances if we do lose. But, man, it would be really cool to just go out there. Well, I got think you can coach, say the same about Oregon. Teams. They probably feel like they need a win. So, sure. it's the same Absolutely. thing that happened to us happened to them. So, Absolutely. But I, I don't give a shit about Oregon. Fuck them. Yeah, so. but I'm just saying you, you could, it's not one side alone that no. has that feeling. But the good thing is their side has Anthony Brown and ours does. So yes. <laughs> ours has, yeah, for sure. Something. Very much not Anthony Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Unless he transfers and then it's just then he's watch just, Anthony Brown just like tear us up now, now that I've made fun of him. Talk so. shit about him. <laughs> yep. yep. Wow. He has like a 60 or so. If he's ever gonna do it, this is the time. This is the game. Boston College's own Anthony Brown. Yeah. <laughs> the adjective uh, the San Antonio Express News used um, to describe Anthony Brown is uh, embattled. I would agree. Yeah, that's one. Embattled quarterback Anthony Brown. Which is, yep. I, I think that. anybody that came from Boston College, it's, it's you're pretty embattled. Yeah, I've been to that campus. It is definitely a campus. So wow. <laughs> Real quick, we haven't talked about Jaron Kanak. Oh yeah. And I think we need a bit of a special right there. Yeah. You know, you know, if you know, you know, <laughs> um, OU, I, I think OU is going to become white linebacker. You now, um, which is cool. I mean, We're it's stealing uh, Clemson's place on the mantle. They have, they also have safeties. We need to get us some of those. I miss tidy Armin. So tidy Armin. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah, would have, he would have flourished. Well, but it's, I mean, all the of reason, the truly great football programs have a white linebacker who is a dick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we well, can we talk shit about Ben Bowler all we want, but that dude was a crazy person, but he was also a very good college linebacker. So yeah, I'm completely fine Skalski. with that. If we, yeah. Same deal yeah. with Skalski, So Yeah. Um, but but Kanak, like, what a weird situation, you know? <laughs> yeah. And he I think it is weird adult, as possible. I think the adults in this situation are being ridiculous. You know, that includes Brent Venables. I think Brent Venables is being ridiculous in regards to this very situation. This kid will not play football for Clemson. He is not going to do it. But Brent Venables is like, I can't offer you a scholarship yet. I'm not going to recruit you. Yeah, and so the kids just like, okay, well, I'm just going to enroll at Oklahoma and then sign my financial aid agreement. Yeah. And my thing here is I don't ever want to pass up an opportunity to shit on Dabo because I feel like at a certain point, Dabo just needs to tell Brent that it's fine. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I hadn't considered this, but every single time something weird or stupid happens in recruiting from now on, we can just say it's Dabo's fault. We yeah. could. I, I mean, that's what I, I support that totally. He learned all of his bad habits from Dabo. I mean, like seriously though, just tell Brent, it's okay. Yeah. He's not going to come here. Zero you know? parties in this situation like handled it in a normal way. <laughs> like, right. It, Absolutely. It's the and strangest I, thing. I think Brent's stance of like telling the kid that he should go to Clemson, I think that's fine. If that's your first move, 
is to tell the kid you should go to Clemson. It's where you committed. You were you wanted to go there at one point. Go to Clemson. And then if the kid's just like no, then be like, okay, well then then come here. You know, yeah. and Dabo, same thing. Just be like, ah, it's fine. I mean, he's not coming here, so he may as well go play for Brent. You know, yeah, that's where he wants to go. Me every every year, like South Carolina. So yeah, you know, like shit. So like, I just don't understand why this has to be so hard. You know, it just it's like a, it's been... the weird like valor thing. I don't know. It, yeah, coaches take that type of stuff too like super seriously. Like when it's their mentor. Um, yeah, and it just it. I'm glad. I'm gonna be glad that past this year it's going to be over like we'll, we'll never have to worry about this again mm-hmm. um, yeah. i'm also extremely glad that we got jaron connect because he's freaking awesome yeah um that's yeah, a fast human being for his size um i mean he's a fast human being like he's gonna up, be yeah. one of the fastest guys on the team as a linebacker you know like dudes yeah. don't run that like i think i heard someone say that his hundred meters was faster than trey brown's fastest hundred meters <laughs> Really? That's, that's <laughs> stupid. Holy shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, this is a 6'2", 215-pound linebacker, you know, running faster than an NFL defensive back. Dude, you know, Do you guys like, watch his huddle? Because it's really funny. He's like, yeah. you have to remember he's playing like, you know, small Kansas kids, but he's just running over them the whole the whole video. It's, yeah. He's just so obviously bigger, stronger, faster. It's it's yeah. pretty amusing. Yeah. I just I can't get over the clip of him in at quarterback where he s- scores a touchdown and trucks literally seven <laughs> defenders yeah. on the play. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. He there's no there's no like he doesn't try to juke anybody. It's just I'm gonna run you over. Yeah, he's gonna run through. you over. Yeah, which is absolutely perfect from what you want to see from a linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. He looked like the sunshine throwing lead blocks out there. He's just, yes. Bowling people over. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah. Cool. Anything else you guys want to talk about? Um, Oregon's band didn't make it in time. So the pride had to lend them some players. There you go. There's some news. Wait, what? There was like a pep event. And Oregon's it snowed in Oregon yesterday. Um, okay. And so, so like their band didn't their band wasn't able to make it. And so some pride people had to do the Oregon pep stuff. That's awesome. I would have I would have done that so fast. Absolutely. That's, not, that's, that's probably not even true because I never wanted to do anything when I was oh, in the yeah, band. Actually, <laughs> you would have been drunk. Um, <laughs> but theoretically, like, if it was like required, I would have had fun doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure like I would have been very mad if I did that and yeah. did not get an Oregon dry fit out of it. I'll say that. Oh, for sure. For sure. But interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. So I'll be curious um, to see which uniforms they were. They wear. Are we home? Or away, do you know? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I've I've given probably less thought to this bowl game as a whole than like any other bowl game in my entire life that I've really followed OU football. Like I just don't really care about it. So, yeah. um, and it's also on. It's it's eight thirty. It starts at eight thirty. Does it really? Wednesday. I didn't yeah, know that. It's it's oh a gosh. late kickoff. Hang on, yeah, eight fifteen to be clear. 
815. My it might kick off at 830. There is a 0% chance that my dad will be awake throughout that whole thing. He will mm-hmm. fall asleep at halftime. So, so that's for, for Ryan, though, that's that's primetime television. Though. Yeah, that's not bad. Well, it's See, that's it's not as time. much now because we're out of we're out of daylight savings. So I'm only an hour ahead of you or behind you guys. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's a, it's a 715 kickoff here. Wow. Okay. That's still better. You know, I'm a morning a guy, better. so I don't know about that 815 kickoffs. But yeah, <laughs> I, have a, I have a feeling that the group message is going to get quiet in the second. <laughs> yeah. Half I'm hoping that we just for this one. Yeah. Jump out to a three touchdown lead so I can just turn it off. But we'll see. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, last time we were up by three scores, it didn't work out well. I mean, is that not a thing that like I feel like that's a staple of, of how I felt about watching Lincoln Riley teams is that there was just never a point wherever I ever felt like I could relax and just no. watch the team play, you know, yeah. like up up 28 in mid third quarter. And I'm sitting there glued because I'm like, this could go bad at any second, yeah. you know, and once it goes bad, it might, it might be over. You incredibly know? Yeah. mentally weak and they just snowball every single time. It's yeah. Yeah. And this is actually a thing. So the, the general sense, the entire Lincoln Riley time was, Oh God, got to score a touchdown this drive. Just <laughs> regardless of the score, it was just like, Oh, we better score a touchdown because you know, yeah. things could go bad if we don't. Um, and then I go back and I watch um, I've been watching highlights of games uh, from the Venables era here. And uh, just watching the team, like teams would score occasionally because we were playing in the Big Twelve, Big Ten. No, the Big Twelve. We were never playing in the Big Ten. What am I talking about? Uh, we were playing in the Big Twelve. Teams would score, um, but they would score in the first half, and then they would not score so much after yeah, halftime. Make adjustments, um, yeah. and that was really startling. The degree to which, like for a year, like the entire tenure of Lincoln, we were the team that was adjusted to. Yeah, right. it felt like. Um, well, I just felt like I think that for me as a football fan, I grew up watching Brent Venable's defenses. And so it was kind of ingrained in me that like, oh, if things are not going well right now, we will make an adjustment and things will be less bad. Right. You know, like it might not be perfect, but it won't be as bad. But the Mike Stoops era brought this new idea of like, Okay, if we look bad in the first quarter, we're probably just screwed. Yeah. You know, there, it's are, not there are no adjustments coming. <laughs> right. And then I think that persisted into the Alex Grinch era too. Like this year, I can't tell you, like there were so many times where it was like, okay, they yeah. scored really easily in the first quarter. And oh, well, they did it again. Shit. Oh, they did it again. You know, and it just like, yeah. I, Still part of me, because it was ingrained in me when I was young, still part of me was expecting adjustments all these years, even though I was stupid too. But I'm, I'm hopeful that, because I've been doing the same thing. I've been going back and watching, you know, 2010, 2011 highlights. And it's like, yeah, shit, teams were putting up points on us in the first half. And then you look at the final score and it's like, oh, they scored three points in the second half and we pulled away. Yeah. You know, that's great. Yeah, that's perfect. Like I'm thinking about comeback wins um, in the post Venables era, and it's like 2015 Tennessee, um, 
2019 Baylor. 2019 Baylor, 2020 Tech or 2021 Texas. I guess to a degree, 2020 Texas as well. Yeah. And two of those, maybe three, maybe just one of those, but not none of those teams were like world beaters. Um, especially Texas. Texas should never have been up that much. It was just a trap no. travesty. Uh, that Tennessee team was okay, but it wasn't great. And then that Baylor team, same same deal with the Baylor team. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they were good, but they weren't, you know, I think their record was better than they were. Uh, yeah. So, like, right. four, essentially four times over the past decade has Oklahoma been losing and then made adjustments that fixed it. Yeah. Well, and some yeah. of it was, like, that Baylor game, like, we got lucky as hell. Yeah. In the second half. You yeah. Know? I mean, like those both of those Texas games, it's just like random garbage started happening. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, it's I was just tired of watching us be the less physical team. I don't know if we're going to be better. I I, I think there's a decent chance we will be, as oh you will be, but yeah. Oh, sorry, hang on. I'm, I'm we, tired of give credit where credit is due. 2021 Kansas was a comeback victory. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. But yeah, but you know, if the team that they were playing was in any way comparable along the lines of scrimmage, we just really struggled. Um, and I, you know, even if even teams that we had a large talent differential, you know, they were they would often you know just out physical us, and we had to just be more athletic than they were and get by on that. And mm-hmm. I was just, I mean, I was complaining about it before Lincoln left i this is something that i'd had a problem with um and with him and i was you know this year was really kind of being a catalyst of me thinking starting to question if i even thought he was the guy so and this is not revisionist this is i mean being serious so um i'm really curious you know if he because i and i know you guys probably talked about this some last time but as he goes out to usc he's not taking over a team that has a good culture right now he has to build it and what I was watching, you know, being out physical by teams that are half as talented as his roster. And now he doesn't even have the ingrained, you know, mentality and, you know, culture that he inherited here. I'm not convinced that he can build it. Um, maybe he can. He's going well, to have not, incredible, you know, wide receivers and stuff, but everything else, I don't know. So I'm not convinced that he knows what it looks like either, you know, yeah. because. I mean, you look at the team, like he coached with Bob for, for two years. You know, he was there two years with Bob and they were successful years. There's no doubt, but those teams by no means were complete. The defenses largely no. were a disaster, you know, and 2015 defense was okay. 2016 was not. Yeah. 16 yeah. awful, you know, but then he hits 2017 and his big move after that year is he gets rid of Schmitty. You know, like Schmidt and him just did not see eye to eye. And that's his big move. Like, that's really the big stamp on the program that he put after yeah. his first year at Oklahoma was I'm putting my also guy Vinny Wiley. Didn't fire Mike. It didn't fire Mike. Yeah. Right. right. Epic well, I think that bad. actually speaks to something like I think coaches, regardless of if they're Bob's brother, like Saban would not have kept Mike. You know, coaches of that caliber would not not have kept Mike. Yeah. Uh, um, Nick Saban wouldn't have kept him if his name was Mike Saban. You know, he wouldn't have, <laughs> there's no way. Well, you know? yeah. Now, 
Nick Saban, Saban ha- I'm curious if Saban has brothers. brothers. That's um, I, I feel I feel like 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 Saban rips into people he's not related to on the sideline. <laughs> I feel like if he had a brother, we'd have seen the death on the sideline by now. <laughs> I think um, so. <laughs> be like uh, Bo Pelini and Carl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. My goodness. Um. Anyway, I just don't know. I'm not convinced at all. I, yeah. I think he's going to have incredible skill talent. And then they're just going to be pretty soft everywhere else. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to predict that he fails at USC. No, Pac 12 sucks too much to completely. But it's, I mean, like the reality is like the thing about being at Oklahoma is that you get the team, you get every team in the Big 12's best every week. Yeah. Um, And you just got to be able to break their spirits, right? And like this was just, his entire tenure, this was never a team that put people away and made them give up. Teams like teams when they played Oklahoma, they were in it till the end. They were net like there was no ability to convince uh, the other side that things were hopeless. Um, yeah, I was listening to a podcast today. Um, it had Alan Kenny on it, um, and I, I think he's a relative. He's a smart guy. You know, I think I generally agree with a lot of his stuff. Sometimes he annoys me, but. The thing he talked about was that there's a big difference in mentality between NFL and college football. Like the NFL is very much a survive and advance every week. You know, if you can win, that's all that's important. doesn't matter how you do it. Just freaking win the games. And college football is about going out there and just beating the other team's ass as much as you can, Mm -hmm. you know, style matters. Right. Style matters, how you're playing, like, and it's about developing habits because if you're just going out there and just surviving and advancing, you're not improving from week to week the way that you need to, you know? And if you're like, you're not probably not playing to your potential if you're just barely squeaking by every week. And that really interested me because it was like, yeah, that's because it did seem like in a lot of games, Lincoln got into a situation where it's like, okay, I think we can win this game. So I'm going to start, I'm going to start trying to like workshop some ideas for future events, you know, and that's what they do in the NFL. It's important. You need to do that, but that's not college football. Go out there. And if the, the outside zone play is working, run that fucking play every down, every damn down all the way until you score. It's like uh, the Baylor hitch routes all the way down the field. Right. Right. Or LSU throwing a Justin Broyles. Right. Kick the shit out of the other team. And then once you're up by 50 in the fourth quarter, try your shit. I don't care. Mm-hmm. But that seemed to be something that I, I've never been one to talk about Lincoln getting. I don't think he gets like conservative in his play calling. I've never agreed with that take. But I do think that he does get to where he's like, OK, I know that this will work. So I'm going to try something else to see if that will work. And then all of a sudden you're going three and out multiple times in a game. And then the other team's back into it because your defense isn't good enough to handle that, you know? Um, and so that to me was, that's the most I'm willing to concede right. about like Lincoln I think he gets and the conservative, way but in, in the way you're just saying where he just doesn't keep his foot on the gas pedal of attacking what he knows will hurt the other team. Um, yeah. Yeah. So if that's what's conservative or what we're calling conservative. Then yeah, I think he gets conservative, but well, I, th- and sure. I don't think but it's like, that it's just like, Oh, I don't want to score this time. Like, I don't think that's no. right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, 
I think this is the thing that I, I hate giving old head credits for old heads credit for anything. But like when they talk about him getting cute with it, like he was a serial getter getting cute with it guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and, and that's, Oh, yeah. go ahead. Well, I was going to say, that's exactly what I mean. Like, and I don't yeah. think of that as conservative. Yeah, I think of so, that as, as, as what Ryan said. I definitely, that I agree. If that's not conservative, then I don't think he got conservative, but I definitely think as Ryan said, he got cute with it way too much. So yeah. um, it's like, he got bored. It's like, he's like, well, he's, oh, that's the problem with excessively smart people. I know like Josh McQuestion said it. It's like, you know, they think everyone else is a dumbass. So yeah. <laughs> I think he, I think he, I think he suffered from that a little bit. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's not a good thing in a football coach. You don't, you don't want that. No, you want some meathead in there. There's yeah. a, there's a nice balance. So, right. But it's like the result of a team that is not committed to the idea of putting like of plowing the other side yeah. under every week and running outside zone a hundred times because it's going to kick their ass and it'll be funny. Um, yeah. Is that like, I think about 2018, you have Kyler freaking Murray behind the best offensive line in the country. And like Quinn and Williams gets interviewed and he like is pretty certain that this team is a joke. Like <laughs> he is like yeah. outwardly disrespectful of this. Mm-hmm. Um and you know that's and uh, and on the one hand that's Quinton Williams at Alabama, so you know maybe you need more than Kyler Murray and the best offensive line in the country to earn his respect. But there's like they're disrespected every year, don't you know? <laughs> there's just there's just not like I t- like if you never demonstrate that like you can put a football game out of reach, no one will yeah. ever believe that a football game against you is out of reach. Right. Yeah. I mean, every team we've played the last few years has had a belief they could hang around and most of them have, you know, so. I mean, yeah, the 2018 team, like we had the best offense we've ever had and most of our games were close, you know, like Iowa State was unnecessarily close that year. Obviously, we lost to Texas, Texas game in the Big 12 championship, unnecessarily close. West Virginia, complete and total shootout. Um, even Kansas put up 40 on us. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, the Puka Williams game. Yeah, that was yeah. like my God. Like we, yeah. That defense I, was just hard to watch. Yeah, it was. And it, but just all of this is like, you know, it's like I was saying earlier, it's not hard to make a case that Lincoln was not a good, didn't do a good job here. You know, it's not hard to make that case. And I think I'm, pretty inclined to make it because of, of how things have turned out. But uh, yeah. good job is relative. I don't know how much better he left it than when he got it here. So if you want to measure it by that stick, you know, there's a case. Yeah. Well, that, and just, I don't think he ever overachieved with what yeah, he had. That's true. Yeah. You know, like there was just always, you know, 2017 was the closest he came to that. And we should have won the fucking national championship that year. And we didn't, yeah. you know? Yeah. In part because he got cute with it at the end of the first half against Georgia, and he went yeah. for the squib kick, which was stupid. Okay, we, we <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I agree with that. We can get off a whole tangent about that. So. Oh my god. Okay, yeah. so 
I try not to think about that game though. It's it's I tried to excise it from my brain, but <laughs> yeah. I, I think I, I'll only be able to go back and rewatch it if we win another national championship. Yeah. That yeah, it, I can't I, I waffle between that and the Tebow loss between which one was the most Florida. painful. But yeah, I think I mean for me, because I was at the freaking Rose Bowl. Yeah, You know, like that one's different. But like, if you look at like the direction the program took after that 2008 loss, that one really sucks, yeah. you know? And that's, well, that was, you know, that was, was the actual title game that yeah. we still had to win a whole nother game with Georgia, but we were also right. up 17. So, <laughs> yeah. so. <laughs> that's the, that's the, the real kicker. It's tough, man. Got it. It's, yeah. it's been tough to be an Oklahoma fan the last 20 years. You know, like there's oh, been a lot of us. good. Woe yeah, woe is us and all of our lost titles. Yeah. Yeah. But all those, be all a, those close calls, man. They'll be a Tulsa fan. They need, they need, uh, another, need another person. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it up to a dozen. Yep. <sighs> but, I mean, not to extend this much further, because, you know, we just keep talking. But I saw I heard someone talk about this, and I think there's a valid point. Was, and I think Rich – did a good job, you know, overall, or a better job, certainly than Stoops. He did a, you know, he made strides. Um, but was he the third best coordinator, defensive coordinator in the state last year? I think there's a case you could make for that. Jim Knowles is I mean, certainly better. Yeah. I think the less, the guy at Tulsa might've been better. Well, they certainly got more out of less. Yeah. You know? Like, you know, Grinch had the most talent and the third ranked defense out of those those three, right? You know, I don't know what the rankings guy. were. I know like two years ago, Tulsa had a pretty, like a legitimately good defense. And then yeah. that guy got hired this past, you know, just recently to TCU, I think. So, okay. But I just think it's interesting, you know, that for his, you know, the strides that he made, he might have been, you know, the third best guy out of three in the state. Yeah. No, I think that's true. And now the best defensive coordinator in the country is on our, on our coaching staff. So yeah, that, I mean, that's got to feel pretty good. Yeah. Uh, feel pretty good. Those quarterbacks are going to feel it when they check into the Ted roof in. <laughs> okay. Um, do we have anything else we want to say? I just wanted to say real quick, Tulsa did have a, a higher ranked SP plus defense than we did. Excellent. Uh, they were 10 spots ahead of us. Great. 10 spots ahead of us. So good. So good. And Love that was it. after they lost a ton from the year before. Yeah. And Oklahoma State like all their, those, they had like two really good corners that both transferred. And anyway, yeah, so yeah, fun times. <laughs> all right, well, thank you everyone for listening to the Oklahoma Drill. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on the Google Play Store, on Podbean, find us on Spotify or on YouTube. Um, you can uh, follow us on Twitter, um, leave us reviews, share it with a friend. Um, I, I'm still interested in the idea of us recording slightly more frequently than we did this past semester. We'll see if that happens. No commitments. Um, and, uh, we'll leave you with that. Um, hopefully there's a football game on Wednesday. <laughs>